welcome to Highway Freaks, Real Truckers, Real Life. I'm Bry Guy, your road dog host from British Columbia, Canada, J-Man the Snarl, and Motorhead Mark from Calgary, Alberta, Canadian lady trucker Janet, and my producer Winged Will from Washington, D.C., the pink bombshell, and Powder Springs, Georgia, it's Birdman Bruce. We do our visits with you during loads, trips, sharing topics from celebrities, road stories, landmarks, and people in the news. We are Highway Freaks, real truckers, real life. Tonight, we feature music from our house band Fist, as well as music from Brent Berner, formerly as Helix and my wicked twin. Brent will also be on the part two of Bry Guy's eye-opener show near the end of this episode. We have an amazing, amazing show for you guys tonight. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, Alberta's health system, and that's going to be by Will. Uh, Jay is going to talk about his trip recently. Uh, and Janet will talk about this uh, This fact about um, in Canada having less women who drive trucks in North America, and I'm going to be talking about truck accidents in Virginia. But before we get to our topics tonight, I just want to check in with the crew, how they're doing, how they're feeling. What's going on with you guys tonight? I broke my yes. this week. <laughs> Are you kidding me? How did you do that? Uh, tripped in the kitchen. It sent me flying into the closet, and yeah, broke my big toe. Is it like a huge cut or something like that? Like, are you like limping now? Oh, I'm limping. I have one of those, you know, those little boots they put underneath, like underneath the cast. I got one of those. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. How is it looking? Is it healing okay? Or uh, it's only been a couple of days and it still hurts. Oh, that's still gonna that. hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um. Is it like one of the, I mean, just like, you know, your arm, like you're right-handed or left-handed. I mean, like if your toes, like are you left-toed or right-toed? No, no, but the big toe balances you when you walk, and I already have a problem with balance. So, yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Even if it's like as, as, as innocent as our kitchen, right? I mean, a house can be a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that, uh, Janet. How you doing, Will? I've been better. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I I just had a week of, you know, uh, we're not going to say bullshit. And uh, I had a needle. Uh, well, I had a vein uh, burst just before recording. So I had to deal with, you know, uh, yeah, I, I guess she's EMS to uh, redo my needle. So, um, yeah, I'm just having a peachy time right now. <laughs> God, I can I can't imagine how how you are feeling right now because I know I've uh, I've been through that situation before, but not exactly the same thing. But um, something like that is not not pleasant at all. So I hope you're feeling better. Uh, Jay, I know you're sitting there, um, you know, reminiscing, but also contemplating. How are you feeling, Jay? Ah, uh, sore as hell, but I'll live. I'm laughing my ass off at myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we will hear more about your trip here in a second, but just, just hang in there okay. with, with, with us. Uh, you know, my week was, was okay. Um, it was a pretty busy week. We are closing our physical office 
at my job, so I'm going to be heading to the office uh, Tuesday next week to gather my things uh, from my office that I have not seen in four years. Um, and um, we will be 100% remote um, for my job. So that's, uh, that's what I'm looking forward to this week. Before we get into our topic tonight, uh, before Will talks about Alberta's health system, let's uh, play a song by Fizz. We'll be right back.
great song from Fist. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, now I'm going to talk about uh, Alberta Telsis. So, you know, since the Liberals have, you know, become, uh, you know, powerful, uh, there's been a lot of messed up things happening. And, um, like, I, I had the worst experience ever. I, um, I have an infection that uh, could have been fatal that, that, that started going through uh, my face and uh, my body and stuff. But um, I got, well, so to begin with this, I guess I'm going to have to say, like, there are good hospitals and there are bad hospitals. You just got to figure out um, which ones are, like, like, like your hospital, right? But um, wait times don't mean shit. Um, when you check on wait times, the wait times are, like, hours off. Like, hours. Uh, but, you know, uh, I went for, well, first, you know, uh, my girlfriend had to drive to one of the hospitals down here called the Sheldon Schumer. And as we sat in there, um, the Alberta Health Services uh, thought it was a good idea to put in uh, what we call down here as known as safe work into, like, uh, an emergency entrance where kids and elderly people are. And if people don't know what SafeWorks is, SafeWorks is, a, is an organization that supplies fresh needles, water, and whatever to, you know, the drug addicts. Call them whatever you want to call them. I don't care. Um, I, mean, I, I don't want to get in trouble on this podcast, so I'm not going to say what I really want to say. But, you know, <clears throat> I'm going to say this. Um <laughs> You know, if um, you know, imagine sitting there with your with, with your child, and you know, witnessing people, you know, cooking drugs in in the entrance, or uh, you know, bathing in hand sanitizer, using it as shampoo. You know, um, <laughs> like uh, it's 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 so messed up. Um, <laughs> but you, you know, uh, Alberta, like our health system has has become so flawed. Uh, and, and I think it has a lot to do with the drug epidemic that we are facing right now. Um, it, it shouldn't have changed things, but it did. And, you know, uh, like, like everything, life grows and people grow too. So, um, since they've put in, you know, uh, safe works into, you know, a, a hospital, um, everyone who comes in, it doesn't matter if you have a, you know, a broken leg or like, you, you know, you, you just had a heart attack or whatever, that drug addict is going to get put first. And I saw evidence of that uh, a couple of days ago. So, you know, I, we, we, we waited and waited and waited and waited. And they, they're not prioritizing any of the people that they should. Um, they, I, I think we waited for five hours before we left. I said, you know what, um, if, if they're going to prioritize uh, what I'm going to call for the podcast, drug addicts, um, if they're going to prioritize them over um, your your average person, that's 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 an issue because you know they're like especially when it's there's a facility right there. You know, it's literally like someone overdoses, they go in. Someone overdoses, they go in. So you you you're seeing this happen like every five ten minutes. You know, so your position's staying the same. Anyway, uh, I ended up leaving there because not only do the staff not love or like their job. Um, I, I don't expect you to love it. I at least like it. Not only does the staff not like their job, but um, their systems were flawed. I, I, I like they lose people uh, spontaneously. Uh, what I mean is like records. 
people's records just spontaneously get lost. This has been admitted to me uh, multiple times. Uh, and, and, and then you start to think, okay, well, then, how, like, like, how much knowledge, how smart do you actually have to be to gain access to the system? Because because it, it, it seems like just anybody can can do it. But um, anyways, uh, there 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 is a a really good hospital I ended up going to, um, named South Health Campus, and uh, it 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 really was um, uh, uh, a lot more helpful. Uh, but I actually needed to, you know, <laughs> here's the thing. This is one of the beefs I I have with the health system right now. You basically need a a letter, and I'm gonna see this right now. You basically need a letter stating uh, from from a doctor or or a dentist, whatever it may be, exactly what kind of a treatment you need. Because obviously these people are too stupid to, um, you know, uh, judge for themselves. And this has literally been proven now twice for me. And you know, like I'm just gonna say this: like, cool, you passed the bar, but did you just barely pass it? I bet you did. You, you, you know, like, call yourself a doctor, but you're, you're, you're really not one. You really, you really just want to just sit there and roll in with, with the, the paychecks, right? Like, it, it, it is what it is. I, I get it. It's funny. But um, the reality to all of this is, you know, it's um, the health system uh, is not only rehiring stupid people, but um, the broken the brokenness comes from... Um, there, 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 I, I guess their lack of knowledge. I, 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 I literally can't tell you how many nurses had no clue uh, uh, what, what an IV uh, antibiotic was. I, and, and uh, I'm not kidding you. It's like, like there is, I, I have some words. But um, if this is going on in this these hospitals, and these are supposed to be known as, you know, quote, unquote, good, um, it makes you really wonder what, what, what the other hospitals are like. But... Uh, I'm gonna say this: they they were given um, hundreds of millions of dollars, and uh, you know only some of the hospitals did upgrades. Where'd the money go? Look look at the hospitals. How many how many smart doctors did you hire? How many dumb doctors did you hire? How many how many times did you say, hey, take take this course for a, a year and everything is good, man? Like it's 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 just it, right now it's just stupid. You, like you 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 literally can't you 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 shouldn't have to risk. Letting your your kids see like I'm gonna rephrase myself. Okay, I'm not. Why? What would make you think it's okay to have uh, drug addicts that are full blown, you know, high as all hell? What makes you think that that's a good thing for children to see? What What makes you think it's a good thing to have like like in a location that's that's part of vulnerable people and 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 this isn't just the only one and 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 people are wondering where like like where where the issues are well i man start with um you know three things <laughs> change location of your you know your your quote-unquote safe work uh rehire the smarter doctors back you know that left because you know of, of a vaccine that was already proven to not work and uh number three you know actually uh uh, have people that that won't lose records in the system and then admit it afterwards. Oh, so we're we're we're, we're so sorry. Your 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 record got lost. I'm like, man, if 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 this is how Canada um, uses their money, I'm afraid to see what they do for war. That, that, well, that is disconcerting. I mean, how? I mean, losing records. I don't understand why that is even possible. 
Yeah, it I, was dead. I don't understand either. It, it, it blew my mind. Yeah. Not only did they admit it, they apologized for it. Like, okay, what? So, so like, my, like, like, you're admitting to me that, that it just poof and gone? How does it happen, not just once, but twice? In in one uh, well in in a twenty four hour period. Two different hospitals. That just shows you that the program that they have isn't set up to recognize when somebody hasn't been fully admitted, right? Um, it just and, and I mean look at all the other stuff that went on as a result of it. You know, it's uh, yeah, it, it's got to be in the program itself that it. Just not recognizing it and going, you know, alert, alert, kind of thing. So I don't understand it. You know, when when someone pulls up to the ER, for example, and they check in with the registrar, right? They put in your name and everything, and and so how how could a record like that just disappear? So I don't. It's so, not making sense to me. Sorry. Yeah. Now, 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 now I'm going to finish this this story because this story has one more part to it. The other part to this is. I came back into my my normal place of residence, and the, it, it, that's all my idea, whatever. My uh, uh, the needles that they put in me ended up uh, rupturing the vein and going right into the muscle. Okay, so I needed uh, help fast. When I phoned them, they told me that actually, so it was three times they, uh, I got lost. They told me that the requisition hadn't even been sent off. It hadn't been done. hadn't hadn't done nothing. Like nothing's been done. So why why are like, okay then why are you hiring lazy people to do to do stuff for you? It, thank God, I, I, like like this is gonna be on a pylon shadow, but thank God for um can't remember what they're called, but but they're uh uh, uh they they work with uh, uh the HPTP clinic in Foothills. So uh so yeah like like then like how do you how are you that lazy? You you have to be lazy in order to like like not submit. I, how am I the only one? And literally, this is what they told me. How am I the only one? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody dropped the ball, obviously, somewhere. Yeah. Not, you know, times. but three times. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. I'm going to tell, tell you exactly why you were the only one. <laughs> <laughs> one, your age. Age demographic is huge in hospitals. Okay. Number two, where are you from? You're Canadian? You just go sit in the corner, Mr. Taxpayer, because we've got a bunch of deadbeats we want to take care of and make sure they don't die on us, who we think are more important because they vote. <laughs> That's why. It, it doesn't why make sense, though. I, 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 I got proof to this. Back in the 90s, I was in a major car accident. The back of my head took out a window, the, wind, the, the rear window on a 69 uh, uh, Datsun 510, and I bent the metal window frame and it ripped the back of my head open and i sat for eight hours at surrey memorial hospital while they were bringing people in with a cough and letting me bleed on the floor i finally said f it and left and went home and i i dealt with it myself yeah i remember it, it, and it's just been getting worse and worse and worse because oh you know you you work for a living you're a Canadian citizen, you can go to the back of the line because this, you know, useless prick over here that doesn't do anything, has never worked as high as a kite, and we think is dying is more important than you. Yeah. That's yeah. a fact. I, and, I, 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 I get that, but, but to lose an entire record, man? 
Yeah, well, they're just incompetent. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure glad that that, I am so happy that the person that, you know, sat at that counter making probably 35, 40 bucks an hour got paid very well to lose your paperwork. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember uh, as a kid, I think I was about 10 or 11, and I was riding my cousin's bike, which was a little bit big for me. And I ended up getting hit by a car. And mother, like my mom took me up to the hospital into a merge, and we were there 12 hours. Now, I had lost consciousness, and I was covered. I was bleeding from head to toe almost. Um, and it took 12 hours in there. I was sitting in the waiting room for almost eight. And, yeah, they just... That and that is, I mean, that is back when we had a reasonably decent healthcare system. Nowadays, I think they do, they definitely do discriminate with age, um, you know, the younger generations, because they, do. they look, there's, there's just, because there's just so many other things going on um, within that age group, uh, going back to what Will was talking about with SafeWorks, you know, where you've got uh, more and more ODs now than you did 10, 15, 20 years ago. By far, yeah. in that age group, right? Way more. Right. Yeah, but know, I, I, you... I, I, I hate to say it, and I'm going to say it right now. Natural selection had, had a had a you know a thing to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't. Uh, well, Brian, um, um, he he, he kind of he shakes his head at me because I won't go to the I won't go to the doctor. And this is my this is my philosophy. If bone sticking through the skin, blood shooting more than three feet. And where I can't stop the bleeding, I'll go see a quack. Until then, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know and you know what? So knock on wood, so far so good. Um, I'm doing okay. <laughs> I, uh, you're you're crazy, go. Jay. Well, actually, oh, I, won't go. I think I think a lot of it has to do with our age because I try not. I mean, mind you, with the back stuff that I've got going on. Of course, I've had to have a certain number of appointments to get just to function every day, right? But if I don't have to go, if I can fix something myself, I'm going to do it. Now, this week when I broke my toe, that wasn't an option (laughs) because it wasn't exactly in the right position anymore. (laughs) So there was no option. Yeah, they had to, they had to. Oh my goodness. But, I mean, even with that, normally when they set a bone like that because of the way it was broken, they put you under briefly. Oh, no, we're not going to do that. We'll do a nerve block. Okay, so they did a nerve block. It didn't work. It didn't work. You know, if they wanted to not have me screaming, then they should have just knocked me out because that was one of the worst pains I've gone through, like short-term long pain, uh, short-term pain, right? But, yeah, and and... Uh, I mean, great, it might have worked on somebody else, but even the needle itself that they gave me went into tissue that was damaged and then into the joint to block the nerve. And it just, it was as, almost as painful as when he said the stupid break. So I don't know. Well, yeah, it, sometimes it's just... When I, was, when, when I was growing up, my dad would have just grabbed it, straightened it, You'd have screamed bloody murder, cried and whatever, and he would have told you this to shut up. It's a long way from your heart. And, uh, <laughs> right. He, he, 
he probably he probably would have made some Mickey Mouse splint out of popsicle sticks and electrical tape, and that would have been it. Limp. Yeah. Well, basically, that's no, that was that was the seventies. That was the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. That's why when you got hurt, you didn't you you you, you didn't tell anybody. Yeah. Because well, half yeah. the time nobody gave, Dad gave a crap anyway. <laughs> well, right. no, well, because I would come I would come out. Dr. Dad with his pliers and his blowtorch, and you knew you were doomed. See, I didn't so have that. I, I, I didn't that have. Yeah. See, I didn't have a dad around to do that. So. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I can remember. I can remember wiping out on my bike and just being like completely gibbled and uh, you know fighting back the tears and walking into the house and going, Yeah, hi, Dad. How are you? Yeah, I'm going to read. Yeah. You know, just so that he wouldn't ask me any questions, because if he did, you you know, you were on the operating table. Ah, oh, fix yeah. that, you whiny little will. Yeah, you know, I remember. Exactly. Yeah, I remember my parents when I was growing up. This was in the 90s, though. I know it's a little bit later than y'all, but, you know, I remember my parents were like, rub some dirt on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, just add some infection. That's <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, see... As a kid, oh, yeah, you're I've supposed done. to develop immunity to all the bacteria that's in the in the ground, right? So that's why when they tell you to rub the dirt in it, it just protects it, right? <laughs> that's their logic, I think. <laughs> terrible. Actually, you know, it's, it's a proven fact. It's a proven fact that the older generation, well, not so much now because we're older and, you know, our immune systems are depleting. They're getting worse and worse as we get older. But when we were in our 40s and younger, um, people didn't get tetanus yeah. and, and shit like that because, you know, you know, the home remedy was, uh, don't worry about it. You know, you pulled the rusty nail out and dad threw some rubbing alcohol on it. You cried. Yeah. Yeah. He told or, you to shut up or, or I'll give you something to cry for. Or some Canadian club or, you know, some sort of whiskey yeah. on it. Yeah. And you, so our immune systems were built, were yeah. built up, right? Um Today's generation, they run to the, you know, oh my God, Junior, Junior's got a, got puffy eyes and a runny nose. We better get him to the emergency room. Yeah, but you know, you know where that comes from? It comes from us, your generation, my generation. You know, uh, that uh, when we had kids, so many oh, got to keep them clean, got to wash their hands right away, got to, you know, can't let them get dirty. Heaven yeah. forbid. You know, and yeah, you washed oh. them up when they needed to be washed when they recovered from head to toe and mud. But I mean, you let them play, you let them be a kid, and that was part of the problem with our generation as parents. That's yeah. where. We well, the grew. thing is, most most of us grew up in small families, mm-hmm. right? Right. My my dad had my dad's family. I think there was ten kids. Yeah, my mom. Our family, well. was, you know. You know that you know what they were doing in the winter time when it was cold. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I I had I had you know there was I have two 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 sisters and a brother. Um, so the family unit got smaller and smaller and smaller, and then the single parent became more predominant. Now, yeah. if you ask a pediatrician, and any pediatrician will tell you, the worst parent is the first child parent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they, oh, my God, you know, the kid farted and it didn't sound right. We better call the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> and it's weird because they, you know, they, they didn't grow up seeing mom take up, take care of the, the baby or, or anything like that, 
right? So that is gone. Yeah. You know, yeah. By the time I was born, by the time I was born, it didn't matter if I was puking blood all over the floor and leaving a trail, you could fall in like nobody cared, man. It was like, yeah, whatever, man. You'll live. Yeah. You know, but my mom, my mom even admitted, because she was by herself, when my sister was born, she was terrified. Because yeah. she she had no knowledge. Well, uh, right? even even my when dad, I had my well, dad did. Yeah. It's even when you I know. had Will. I mean, I had his, 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 uh, uh, yeah. Anyways, the one that created him. <laughs> when he was, he was around, and I use quotation marks for that because that's a very loose term. Um, but I mean, I, I remember when I had him, the first, oh my God, the first six months, I was terrified. It's the first time I had ever, other than, you know, babysitting where I knew I could leave in a few hours, ever had to look after somebody else besides myself. And it terrified... The very first time... It terrified the crap out of me. The very first time I I had to hold a baby, you would have figured I was holding an atomic bomb, ready to go off, and Mm -hmm. I didn't know know what to do with it. All I did was have this, this... snot-filled, pukey-looking thing fucking staring at me, and I was scared. By the time my daughter came around, shit, I packed her around by a foot, like like a football. Yeah. You know, she'd go, she'd go crawling by, I'd grab her by the diaper, pick her up, and put her back behind me. I mean, you know, you, you realize, you start to learn that, man, kids don't break that. Actually, yeah. they bounce. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, with that, with that being said, Ask my lovely daughter about her two front teeth and the and the evil Knievel <laughs> she did off the couch and onto the TV and onto the floor. Yeah. Well, yeah. Will has Will has a scar of his own. I don't know how prominent it is because he was only two, maybe when he had it. I got a I got I got a I got a special fan here that I want what? to say hi. Say hi. 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 Hello. That's, hi. that's Caitlin. Hi. <laughs> we will get, I terrified the hell out of her on this trip. I really scared her badly on this trip. So I will get to that. All right. Well, with that, with that being said, um, with that being said, let's you know um, end the conversation on that. We'll have more uh, to talk about. But you know, this healthcare system in Alberta is probably better than over here in the United States. But again, you know, I'm not going to talk about that. But before we hear Jay's trip, uh, recent trip, and all the shenanigans that he had to go through, let's hear one song from Brett Turner, Eat My Lover Alive. We'll be right back.
Wow, Eat My Lover Alive. Yum, yum, yum. What a good song. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Enough jokes. All I got to say, the story you're about to hear is true. Even the names have been kept the same, so you know never to listen to the J-Man about going into the woods. You have heard of Murphy and his law? Well, I swear between Jeremias when I left and the Kettle Valley where I stopped, that son of a bitch got it. And because if anything could go wrong, it went wrong. Now, I left on Thursday, which was the 6th. Everything was good. I went shopping. I got all my food. I uh, picked up some uh, some gas for my generator. Uh, uh, odds and ends that I would need for the like. I was very well prepared for this trip. You would think. Now, uh, by the time I got to where I was going, which was uh, the Shushwap River running out of Maple Lake, I couldn't find a spot because it was about midnight. So I just went to got up in the morning at daylight, and there was nothing. Like, just you couldn't get close enough to the river. So I figured, you know what? I know what I'm doing. J-Man's a woodsman, doing this his whole life. Uh-huh. I head south. I jump on a forest service road heading towards a, a little town called Beaverdale. Some of you people will know it. Some won't. And anyway, <laughs> this is where the bullshit begins. Uh, Friday morning. Uh, I had just talked to Brian, and uh, I headed out, and I turned off of Highway 6 about 30 kilometers east of uh, Cherryville and headed south on the uh, Kettle Valley Forest Service Road. Beautiful, beautiful road, well-maintained. You don't need, you know, you can go on there on a any car. I mean, it's 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 not a 4 by 4 road or anything. Very, very well um, taken care of uh logging road, basically. Well, I, I, I drove for about, oh, I guess, 30 miles, and I found this beautiful spot. So I turned off, and it's, it's off the beaten path a little bit for about a quarter mile, and this huge area, you know, wide open, uh, the river running right, right by you. Um, you would figure beautiful position, just I didn't catch anything, <laughs> and I set up camp. Well, Thank you very much, Brian, for the idea of shorts. You dirty, rotten son of a bitch. <laughs> I wore shorts. Took my shirt off. It's hot. I mean, it's blistering hot. I'm sitting there. Uh, I'm having a couple of beers, you know, and, you know, the dog's running around, and, and I've got my... I'm in the middle of a fire band, so I bought one of those propane uh, campfires. Those things are very cool, by the way. I got that set up. I got my campfire going. No one's around. And I'm sitting there. I'm having a couple of beers, throwing the stick for the dog. And uh, I decide it's time to go fishing. So I go fishing. <laughs> Every time. Now, I don't know if you know anything about fly fishing. But anyway, your, your casting is way different than spin casting. And, and anyway, uh, Zephyr, uh, the idiot dog that I own, um, would go after the fly. And she dove into the river, and, like, it's a fast-moving river. Well, she completely disappeared on me. <laughs> I thought I lost her. And anyway, about 40 feet down river, this little head pops up. And, you know, she gets out of the water, comes back, and, and she keeps doing it. Like, she's she's just loving this, right? And it's so I had to stop. I, I, I'm, well, I, I was going to stop fishing, but I figured, okay, well, I'll fish a little bit more. Well, she came up. And 
this is incident number one. She tackled me, knocked me off the rock that I was standing on, and I fell into the river. <laughs> I my rock, and I broke my head. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, just, just a little bit on the side of your hand. Now, I, I broke this, the same bone many, many years ago in Texas. It's a little tiny chicken bone. I don't even know what it's there for. Well, I cracked it again. And it, it, my hand turned purple and all different colors. It's fine now, but it still hurts like a son of a... And then I realized, you know, I hurt. I hurt pretty bad. Like, I hurt. So I'm looking and I realize I'm getting red as a lobster. Thank you very much for the shorts idea, Brian, you son of a bitch. Did you know you sunburned through water? I didn't know that. Thank you again, Brian, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I am red as a lobster. Ah, 
that laugh is the same thing I, I think I heard that Murphy guy do. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I get those. I took, I took those off. I rinsed them off as best I could and put them in a garbage bag. Buy everything all the way I went. So anyway, this is Monday night. Okay, the coolers are my coolers are are starting to get warm, so I'm chucking food right, like garbage in it, like getting yeah. the meat and all that shit, anything that could go bad, right? Um, cooking, I cooked up everything that I could that was still okay, because if it's cooked, you can still eat it, right? Yeah. Well, anyway, we move on to the morning. I wake up in agony, because Zephyr is digging her claws into my first back, and I decide, get up, I make coffee, and I'm wondering why the doors in my my minivan won't close, because they're automatic. Uh-uh. I'm drinking my coffee, and it, and it dongs on me. I got a dead battery. Grab my keys, burger, nothing. Dead battery. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> we had a wave of thunderstorms. Um, not just little tiny thunderstorms. We're talking rain and lightning that Noah probably didn't have to deal with. So I couldn't go anywhere. So finally... On uh, yesterday morning, at about 4 in the morning, first light, I started walking. And I took Zep with me. I walked about 30 miles. Sunburnt the shit, curtain, begging for death, wishing that I'd brought my shotgun with me uh, and eat one. I finally get track a guy down. I uh, gives me a drive ride back. And I'm telling him all my stuff. And he's laughing his ass off. He almost drove off the road a couple of times. And uh, we finally make it back into the campsite. And guess what I see? What? Make a wild guess. The bear? No, a motorhome parked. He's setting up camp. Oh, jeez. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it took an hour. This thing was dead. We got it got started. By the way, a good thing came out of this. Um, I haven't had a cigarette since uh, Saturday. So, so far, so good. I haven't been smoking. Um, the bad thing was, is I finally got everything packed up. I've never packed a car so fast in my life. I had that site completely cleaned, everything into the van, 20 minutes. And I was driving down that road, heading for home. So, and I started laughing about it, you know, like I'm thinking to myself, um, you know, there, there's no reason why I should be surprised at this at all because, you know, this is my life. If it's going to happen, life is going to grab me by the short hair and shake. It always has. <laughs> it always will. So why why should I why should I be upset? <laughs> I will mention I will mention something about this campsite. This was really really creepy. I swear to God that that place I was at was haunted. And the reason I say this is from the day I got there, I had a weird feeling. You got that weird feeling that you're being watched or there's some there's something around. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like horrifyingly scary. It's it just, just an odd. And I kept seeing shadows, not only during the day, but at night. Hmm. Now, the weird, weird, weird thing that, and this bothered me because I could, I could have swore I heard a woman's voice. Oh. I to wake up. Oh, my. And it sounded, if my memory, it sounded like my mother. That was the weird part. That was just, that yeah, was just before I ended up on my walk. Wow. So I have made an executive decision. Any of 
fights or anything else like that, don't come to me. Don't <laughs> somebody else's paper. Don't thank yourself. You'll, you'll, you'll thank yourself. Well, anyway, the, 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 the one thing that did upset me was I finally got to, on my way back, um, I got cell phone range, and man, there had to be a hundred messages from my daughter, and she was freaking out because she couldn't get a her, her, get a she couldn't hear from. Me. And there were reports that Vernon was on fire. Oh, geez. and of course she's. My God. Oh, I wasn't anywhere. I wasn't anywhere near Vernon. No. Um, I was. I was actually. <laughs> I was actually halfway between Kelowna and Vernon. Yeah. Um. Um, I, 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 like I, there were times that I did enjoy myself, especially with my dog. That dog is the biggest pain in the ass, I, yeah. I swear. And uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was an interesting. Uh, I finally got home last night. Um, like right now, sitting in the like I'm sitting in the seat in the van talking to you guys. I can't. Yeah. I don't know where the hell my headset is. And I've got a towel down because. I don't want to stick to the leather seat. Yeah, no, that would not be good. Yeah. Because I could, I could, the whole town will hear me scream. Oh, my goodness, Jay. I, I don't want to So, um... We, we weren't expecting this. <laughs> this is sad, no. uh, Jay. We weren't expecting this no, actually, to stop a story, no, actually, but, like... Not, I think you, back. I think about it now. Now that I'm sitting at home, having a cup of coffee, talking to you guys, um... What an what experience, because I laugh about most of it. Yeah. Like, what yeah. are the, like, it's just, what are the odds? Clearly, there were no, so, there were no odds. <laughs> you know, well, I have come to, I've come to an executive decision, and this is, look, I'm so glad, I was going to take my daughter with me, and I'm so glad I didn't. Um, I'm glad it was just me, because, uh, oh, man, she would have just, well, actually, after the, after the generator exploded, I probably would have said, that's it, we're going home. But, you know, uh, there's, like I said to you guys earlier, basically what has happened, uh, life grabbed me, shook the shit out of me, boxed both my ears, and gave me a fat lip and said, you're not 20 anymore. Yeah. So I have come to a... I have come to an executive decision that if I do go camping again, and I will, you know, I will. I know I will. Um, government campsites, though. Uh, yeah. Pre-book nope. and, and know exactly where you're going. and yeah. Well, if, if something else happens, the park ranger comes through every every day, twice. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know so um, piece of advice, guys. If you're going to do it, good luck to you. Uh, let people know where you're going so yeah. that if something does happen and you don't show up, uh, luckily I didn't, I, I didn't do that, but I walked <laughs> out before, you know, I was due to come home anyway. Nobody was. Yeah, but you're, so you're lucky you were still able to walk. Right. That falling yeah. river could have, could have. Are, really are, are, are you, are you sure? I, <laughs> I, I, I swear. I swear, like, not to be crude or anything, I, I swear I look like a puppy trying to hump a football. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have never, I have, see, I don't wear shorts, right? Yeah. Brian. So, well, see, but, you I, know, that's, I, I, what, that's what sunscreen is for. See, the water acts like a mirror. 
And it, okay, another asshole that has to bring up sunscreen. <laughs> another asshole that has to say sunscreen. <laughs> no, you're going to get Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't worry about that. It's, it's, it's what you're going through right now. You know? Um, only thing, this is the only thing that isn't sunburnt on me. <laughs> my butt, because I was wearing shorts. Yeah. My yeah. And my head. <laughs> I always wear a hat. Yeah. Do you know I even sun? I even got sunburned behind my knee. Yes, and that's painful. That's oh painful. yeah, it feels really good when you're walk. Uh, yeah, it feels really good when you're walking and your jeans are rubbing it. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. It's painful. Yeah. I know it is. Oh yeah. Because that's that's extremely tender skin. That's skin that rarely ever gets the sun, if ever. You know. Uh, but yeah. No. Doing fishing in shorts and yeah. But you know what? Um, I'm glad it happened though because it, it it got it through my rock rock head. Um, you know I'm getting too old for this shit. Can't be yeah. on it. You know, right. Whatever. I'm not a I'm not a goddamn marine. Jay, I don't think you had a I don't think you had a vacation. You had a shit vacation. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. We, at least I got, I still got, I still got about uh, 10 days before I have to be back at work. So it's still good. Lots of, okay, lots of aloe vera. And if it's still hot, uh, diluted vinegar and water with a, a cloth and just lay it on the burn. It pulls, it draws all that heat out. Yeah. So if any of you guys want to go on my next excursion, put one together. No, uh, no, I'm good. Thank you. Oh, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. <laughs> if you go, you know, another, another, another places we go places where there are like, I mean, I go, I, I go, you know, uh, you know, these trips too. But I'm a little bougie, so um, I go to, <laughs> I go to places where you have cabins. Um, <laughs> well, I had my van set up really good, man. I had the bed was in here. I mean, it was all cozy. I bought myself a a, a pillow top air mattress, so it's like a pillow top bed. Yeah. And uh, like it's really comfortable. Um. So I mean, that that part was good. Everything was good until one by one, everything started. Down. <laughs> it, it, so, it was just like this final. It's it's it looks like you know like the movie Final Destination is like one after the other. Yeah. Yes, I, I should have just said you know what it's time to go home when the dog knocked me into the river and I and I buggered my hand up. That was yeah. a sign. You know what? I, 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 you know, and instead of saying it's okay, coach, I'll walk it off. You know? Yeah, man, that that sounds that sounds like. I don't even, I don't know, I could even describe it by one word, what you went through with, you know, we, we were kind of expecting like, oh, some happy stuff, you know, happening at the there thing and no injuries. Zephyr was the highlight. Um, <laughs> Zephyr loved it. I, I, she was like, she reverted right back to being a little puppy. And that was the best part because, I mean, I played with her, um, full on. Like, she, like, she never, Goes goes after things when you throw it. When we were up there, she did. She was catching sticks, chasing, chasing everything. She was chasing, chasing the field mice, frogs, you know, birds. Like she was having a ball. 
Does she still smell like a bear poop? No, I gave her a walk. I gave her a bath. Okay, that's good. <laughs> yep. yep. Well, I, I could not believe it. I could not believe it. That dog managed. I didn't know there was that much bear shit around there. I mean, I saw <laughs> a little bit. fine. But she found the mother lobe because it was on her head, her ears, her belly. Like, it was almost like she dove into a pit. Yeah. <laughs> I, am, I am still shaking. I, 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 you know, 
I'll be sitting, I'll be sitting in the in, in the house, and all of a sudden I'll remember like a part of the trip, and I'll get a little smirk, like oh yeah, no doubt, me. <laughs> you know, so like uh, I, I, I am not mad about it at all. Um, you know, it, it's just you know, like I said before, if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen to J Man. Yeah, and it did. So I am just glad that uh, I was able to that it was something simple. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know. <clears throat> you know. um, anyway, folks, I am going to say goodnight because I am my back is just burning right now. So, All right, Jay. We are happy that you're back, although you're injured. Um, but, um, you know, take care of yourself. I will, and I will hopefully talk to you guys next week. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you, Jay. With that being said, you know, we, we are happy to have you back once again. Um, you know, I'm sure we will be uh, oh, touching on your story again throughout the next few episodes of, of this show. Oh, yeah. Brian, <laughs> when Brian comes back, oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, with that, we're going to listen to another song by Fist called Muscle Gun. And up next, we're going to listen to Janet about her story. Take a listen.
Hey, that was a pretty amazing song. I gotta say, I do like it. I do like it. Uh, now, for my topic, um, Canada's share of women truckers lagging in the totals over a North American survey. Now, most of this is based on the 2021 census that they did, and that was through Canada, U.S., and Mexico. Now, 12.1% of North American professional drivers uh, is made up of women. Um, 16.4% uh, of Canadian jobs in the trucking, logistics, or warehousing fields um, is comprised of women, up to up from 15% in 2015, um, but account for just over 4% of Canada's truck drivers. So we're definitely way below the average. The 2021 consensus uh, or census data was also done during the middle of the pandemic. So they feel that it may be underestimated because so many people ended up having to go home because suddenly now you've got kids at home and, you know, there's nobody there, right? So, um, okay, so female truck drivers accounted for 3.5% of truck drivers recorded in the 2015 census. So it had gone up a little bit, uh, up to 4%. Uh, the Ontario government is also setting up uh, or has set up training funds for underrepresented workers uh, in the workforce last month. So they're try they've set up uh, a new program for trying to get women into the trucking industry uh, as drivers because there definitely isn't very many out there. Um, female mechanics and techs account for approximately two percent of the. Uh, the workforce in 2015, office positions seem more attractive to women in the industry, which is fairly common. Um, according to Trucking HR Canada, women comprise 83% of general administration jobs and 80.3% of accounting and bookkeeping positions in the industry. Uh, 2023 Gender Diversity Index study recorded similar trends based on 350 respondents um, between Canada, U.S., and Mexico. So very small amount uh, of the actual percentage of, of women in the industry. 74% uh, of all HR and talent management jobs and nearly half uh, of all safety and dispatch roles are comprised of women. More than 30% of leadership and C-suite roles are occupied by women. 12.1% are truck drivers and 7.5% are techs. Um, so it's still, uh, we're getting there. It's just, again, male-dominated industry, and it's taken decades upon decades for women to come into the industry. Um, slightly down from safety and tech positions, uh, but the safety profession has gone up 1.1% up to 41.6% this year, and techs are more than doubled. So um, women are now branching into the industry a lot more. Uh, just it, it's still at such a slow pace. Yeah, I think Janet, that it, oh my goodness, that's like it sounds like pretty pretty the same across the board. That it is. You know, well, and I noticed this when I started driving. I started driving in 1992, and initially, I the first little while I was just in Canada, didn't. I, in, in actuality, I think in the first year and a half, 
I never saw a woman behind the wheel of a truck in Canada. I uh-huh. think, I mean, you know, one or two maybe in passing. Um, as soon as I started going into the, into the U.S., uh, there were a lot more. Uh, you could you could tell the difference between uh, the percentage back then already. Um, I mean, I remember getting refused positions because I was a woman. They felt I couldn't do the job, so they tossed me over, right? Unless I was going to drive with a husband or a significant other. Then I could get a job. But because of the stigma back then, it's gotten a lot better over the years. But back then, the stigma was, you know, we're not putting a female behind the wheel of one of our trucks. I haven't know. We're not going to do that. Uh, we'll give you a job if you have your own truck. So that's how I ended up getting into the industry is because I could not get a company job for the life of me in 92. And oh, yeah. in order for me to get into the industry and start making enough money to pay my bills as a single parent, I had to go and buy a truck. And back then I bought an old rickety 77 Kenworth cab over. And it had already seen better days at that point. And that's how I started. I, there was no company out there that was going to hire me to, to run one of their own, own, own trucks. And it wasn't for yeah. two years. I worked two years trying to find a job as a company driver while I was an owner operator, knowing that my truck was, you know, seeing its last legs there. Um, I, uh, the- it took two years before I could get a job as a company driver. Yeah, that's that's pretty that's that's kind of disconcerting. But do do women drivers uh, get paid less? I mean, I'm not in the trucking industry, so I don't. Back, know back then, yes, we did. Huh? I don't know what uh, that is. Well, it's in 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 almost any industry. You'll see it. Uh, mm-hmm. The difference between two people, male and female, same type of role, same position, same level of management, and the woman is going to get paid 10 to 15% less. Oh, wow. Yes, minimum. Um, and, you, yeah, you'll see that everywhere. Uh, not so much in the minimal. Like, it was more more dominant years ago, but now it's, it's starting to catch up a little bit. But still, when you start getting promoted and up into upper management, um, operations, that kind of thing, it, there's definitely a big gap between the for the same position it is yeah i mean i i just i just googled and um it says that women made up 6.6 percent of the 3.5 million truckers yeah Yeah. that that yeah wow yeah is is it because is it because you know this is male dominated industry in that because it could be that the stereotype that men Drivers are stronger and whatever physically that women are seen less and therefore less likely to get hired? Um, That may have been 30 years ago, but not so much anymore. Now there is a demand. There are a lot of companies out there who will take on a female driver over a male driver. Um, Yeah. Because sometimes it sometimes it has to do with work ethic. Sometimes it has to do with um, women are more accepting to criticism. You know, they mm. show yeah. the correct way to do things. Because I mean, I had when I first started, I started doing deck work. Um, I had no idea how to tie down a load. So 
somebody who just quickly showed me how to do it, you know, and I was willing to ask questions, whereas mm -hmm. male pride sometimes gets in the way, right? Right. Um, I've, I've seen that over and over again, especially in this industry. There's a lot of that. Um, another reason why women aren't in this industry as much, especially um, even the short haul or the long haul, like short haul where you're home every couple of days, we are typically the ones raising the family. So if we're not home every night to make sure the kids are fed, homework's done, you know, a lot of times that doesn't get done. And especially back when I started. Um, now, not so much. Now you've got more men taking over those roles a little bit, being the, you know, the house parent, the one that's home for the kids, you know. But there's also a lot of stigmas that go along with the profession of driving a truck. Um yeah. You know, you've got um, the the stereotype of, you know, oh, a trucker's got a, a woman in every, woman or man in every port. Um, back when I started 30 years ago, I used to get propositioned, and I was shocked, you know. Um, and it wasn't until I went into the U.S., but apparently back then there were a lot of women that um, supplemented their income. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, I won't ex go into more of that, but, you know, uh, you, you've got lot lizards, you've got, uh, and, and, you know, a lot of a lot of people, I'm not going to say just guys, because women are out there doing it too, um, uh -huh. but you've got them, what what the, the person at home doesn't know isn't going to hurt them, and that's a problem. <clears throat> so, with all of these stigmas, it's harder for, say, a woman is married for her to get into a truck and be gone for a week at a time. Mm -hmm. Because in the back of that person at home, in his, in his or her head, they're thinking, can I honestly trust the person that's gone? And it goes the other way, too. I, I can't even tell you how many drivers I've heard say, I got home, I caught her cheating, you know. Um, that's very true. So, you know, that's that's a big issue when you're gone. It takes a special person to be in a long-term relationship with a long-haul driver. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Because you have to have an immense amount of trust in the other person mm -hmm. on both sides. Um, you know, communication is, is key. If you're not communicating that you feel there's a problem, this is what's going to be the end result for many cases. Uh, I won't say it all happens because a very good friend of mine from when I was in my early early to mid-teens, um, her and her husband have been together now, oh, almost 40 years. Five kids and I wow. lost track of how many grandkids. And he was a long-haul driver, you know. But there was, you know, honest love communication and honesty between them yeah. at all times and that's key <clears throat> but you know if you don't have the trust you're not going to have it <laughs> no no I agree and and it, that's all you really really need to yeah. um in order for 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 that relationship to work I do want to comment on what you said about you know 
uh, women are generally, you know, at home taking care of the kids and things. But, yeah. you know, from reading um, from reading this article that's in front of me right now is that, you know, the, the women drivers, um, the rate for uh, women drivers are rising, and that's because it makes the, the, the kind of lifestyle that we do have now makes it a little bit easier. A mother can still be a mom to their kids, although she's on the road, because um, some technology, for example, like ordering groceries online, um, or you can video chat your children while you're on yeah. the road. So, um, but, like if it, but I think if it, that wouldn't have, it's, if, if it wouldn't have been for my mom, I wouldn't have been able to do the job. Um, yeah. My mom was there. She helped me raise my son. And I'm going um, to tell you right now, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here today. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's facts. Yeah. You know, and well, then as when he got old enough to be on his own, um, he would be at the house looking after the house and making sure things got, you know. So basically at, at a young age, under the age of 18, um, he was at home by himself. Although I had things set up where there was, the neighbor knew what was going on. They were always available. I had two or three friends that would, you know, drive by the house, make sure things were okay. Um, he had a list of contacts. He could call any one of those contacts anytime, day or night. So, I mean, these are all things that people don't quite understand about the industry, right? Because... I had no choice. I got locked into, you know, a house that I really couldn't afford at the time. Um, but, you know, I at the time when the purchase was going through, I was married, and before possession date, we split. So oh, suddenly wow. I'm down to one income again, paying a mortgage that I honestly... I. In all the years we've lived here, I've had difficulty keeping up unless I was driving truck. Um, it's only now in the last couple of years where it's back to a manageable level. But, I mean, with health issues and having to draw on um, equity out of the home just to make ends meet because of disability, and it just, it was, it, it's just been a big circle, right? But, mm-hmm. But how did you question though? Question though, and I know uh, another stereotype again is that you know, um, especially like women driving just regular cars, and the stereotype is oh, you know, female drivers, whether it's yeah. car or truck, you know, they don't know how to drive. But did you ever feel like you had to go, you know, uh, get the intimidation factor? That everything is bigger. Like, you know, you get, um, you get you get up in it, bigger mirror, everything. Did, did you ever go through that? I did my first few months. Um, like, when I was take, even when I was taking my driver training, it scared me. Um, I actually, I mean, I always, even as a kid, I was fascinated with trucks. Um, and when I finally did get my license, uh, it was kind of like, this is my, my last chance to try and get ahead and, you know, try and build a future for, for Will and myself. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I too, I, I, I was intimidated. I'll admit it. I was super intimidated by the size. And it took a long time for me to get more comfortable and confident. But that's, 
with anything. Practice makes you know makes it easier. Um, right. But I do say I do have to say that I have always even even now up until up until I had you know taken my fall a year and a half ago, um, always had respect for the truck, the trailer, and the road. And, you know, as long as I never lost that, I knew as soon as I lost that part of it, I might as well stop driving. Because as soon as you lose that, you know, you're not respecting everything around you. You're, the size of the, the vehicle you're driving, the weight behind it, um, you know, and the road, of course. When I say road, I mean, you know, not only um, the road itself, because there are issues with those half the time too, but you've got the traffic and you've got, you've got everything else going on around you. Right. So it, it can be intimidating. And I do know, like I'm, I'm on one of the Facebook pages, one of the lady trucker pages. And you know, there's a lot of young, young ladies coming into the industry. And you know, one of the biggest comments all the time is, you know, how long before you, you stop being intimidated? Well, depends on you. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, uh, as long as you're respecting everything around you, um, you know, you're going to be good. And I do know um, the company I work for, um, I, you know, I know that they've approached me to try and bring on other women onto the company. Um, but, I mean, it's not like I'm, you know, I'm, way back where I was more social and, you know, with with all the, the traffic and the idiots over the years. And I, I just, I've become antisocial, right? So. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it would be interesting. And, and I almost want to bet that there are more women in the corporate office yes. of trucking companies than there are out on the road. Yeah, for sure. Um, like, like the census says, it says about 74, 75 percent of the office staff are usually women and it's true um and you know one of the other things i look at like they mentioned dispatchers in in this as well um but i feel that unless you've got experience as a driver it's kind of hard to be the best dispatcher that you can be in order to do this job right because there it's not like dispatching cabs or, or you know, uh, couriers or anything like that. It, it is different, totally different mindset, different group of people that you have to be able to relate to because, you know, we've got the road and weather conditions. We've got major accidents we run into. We've got, um, you know, just random stuff that happens and everything is on certain time constraints. And I know, I mean, I've, I've done it. I've gone from driving to dispatching. And I do know that after, you know, six months or so, you kind of lose touch of how long it does take you to get from point A to point B. And this is an important thing to know is to be able to figure out how to calculate how long that truck is going to take to get from pickup to destination. And if you don't have the understanding of the trucker and the trucker mind and the different types of drivers there are. Um, it's really hard to do your job efficiently. I'm not saying impossible, but it is it is more difficult if you don't have at least a little bit of driving experience behind you. And I'm not saying car, 
I'm saying actual truck driving. Uh, only because I've done various types of dispatching, and I do know that the trucking end of it is vastly different from courier dispatch, from taxi dispatch, because I've done both of those as well. So, yeah. uh, you know, it is vastly different because I can look at, um, you know, that load has to be from point A to point B in three days. And I'm looking at it going, no, it's this many miles. It's going to be four days before that driver can make that load. So yeah. this is, you know, this is something that um, someone who has never driven a truck doesn't understand as well. They, you know, the truck, okay, let's say uh, it's, you know, going down through Montana, for example. Um, I, I think the speed limit for cars is like 75 but it's lower for trucks. There's a lot of states that have split speed. And unless the dispatcher understands that, they don't understand that, no, the truck is not going to do 70, 65 miles an hour. Um, that may be the speed limit, but that's not the average rate of speed that the driver is going to do over the course of 10 or 11 hours. So, uh, that, you know, have you- I have a question though. Another, and again, I'm not, I'm not in the trucking industry, but have you ever had to, have you had any men kind of feel intimidated by women truckers like, or any backlash from your fellow truckers like, oh, you know, I'm, you know, uh, you're a woman, so you could do this job less than I could. Oh, I have, um, uh, I've pulled up to, uh, receiving docks gone in, handed in my paperwork, the receiver looks at me and goes, I'm not going to deal with you. I want your husband. <clears throat> and what? I looked at him and I said, by all means, go to the truck and get him up out of bed. Well, in the truck was my truck dog. And I, you know, a bunch of truckers are standing around there. And this is, like I said, mid-90s, roughly. Um, and I, I just start laughing. And the guys are looking at me going, why are you laughing? I said, just wait, just watch. So he climbs up on the truck, bang, bang, bang on the window, and the dog comes flying, teeth bared right at the window, and, you know, and he ended up falling off my truck. So he kind of slowly walks back. I said, so now are you going to deal with me? But, you know, I've had to put on a bit of a show sometimes just because I don't always feel as confident as I did in that situation. But you get me riled up a little bit. Yeah, of course, I've got, you know, the... uh, gumption uh to face it yeah but i mean i and i've had that numerous times especially hauling a deck flatbed um hauling equipment you know slinging chains and and you know throwing straps and doing over dimensional and i've had guys say well why isn't your husband out here helping what makes you think i have a husband why do you assume that i'm not you know that i have to have somebody with me when i'm doing this And, you know, that's still, it's not as bad now, but back when I started, that was a big thing. For a woman to be by herself in a truck was unheard of, or not completely unheard of, because I know there are lots of women out there back then, but it definitely wasn't the norm. So, you know, but I mean, I've always been in a male-dominated industry, so I've learned early on, you know, um... I mean, even as a kid, I was a tomboy. I wasn't, you know, the girly kind of girl, right? So, uh, 
you know, I, I could I could do anything the guys could do. I mean, the neighborhood I grew up in had two, three girls. Me, my best friend, and another girl. And that was it. The rest were all boys. So I didn't have a lot of options. <laughs> and when the other girl, my best yeah. friend, was also a tomboy, well, you know, uh, it was tackle football, not flag football. But that prepared me to learn how to deal with this type of industry. Back and, when and other- we were accepted, right? So Yeah. And then, uh, okay, I'm sorry. I, you know, like one question leads to another, but like, oh, that's fine. you know, like family that have, you know, a family that have multiple drivers in the family, like, you know, the dad, the yeah. mom, and then the son, the daughter and things. Is yeah. that pretty common? Um, in, uh, I'll just say in Canada, for example, like if the, if the, if the dad is a, dr- uh, a truck driver that they're either their sons or daughters, you, you know, the, would become the sons will follow in the footsteps. Follow the footsteps, um, yeah. Usually, in that kind of a situation, like if it's just like a little family-run thing, um, usually the wife is home looking after the loads and the paperwork and the accounting and you know and 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 um, making sure everything gets looked after and paid for. Um, the man, the husband, is out working his butt off bringing in the money so that everything can be looked after. Um, mm-hmm. And then when children are raised around the trucks, of course, there's not the intimidation. And even more so when they're raised on a farm where heavy machinery is just second nature. So uh, probably more women um, way back, you know, in the farming end of it, where they may have been the ones jumping in the truck here and there, right? Um, I mean, I also know of a young lady who just recently got married, um, but she used to haul cattle by herself. She married yeah. herself, uh, an American. Um, but I mean, she hauled cattle for herself. She did, uh, ice road truckers. She was up, um, up the same area where they were filming ice road truckers, same company she was working for. So, and this was in her early twenties, early mid twenties, you know? It wasn't yeah. all that long ago she was doing that because I think uh, she's like 30 or something now. But another twist of this one is that, you know, it will be interesting, and I'll look it up just for my own curiosity, is that, mm-hmm. you know, how many how many truckers, whether it's male or female, are uh, single truckers versus someone who has got family at home? Um, I'm If I had to lay a, lay a guess on that, I'm going to say that there's probably more, definitely more single than, than married. Or more uh, single that, than uh, in a long-term committed relationship. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, Very interesting. Yeah. Well, and it, it's just because, like, it goes back to where I was saying. Uh, you need to have the mindset to be able to handle being in a relationship with somebody that's gone. Right? Right. And because of the stigma that has been attached to a trucker for so many years, um, no difference, I guess, than a sailor years ago. They used to say, oh, a sailor has one in every port, well, a trucker has one in every city. Um, but that's not the case. I mean, there is for quite a few, but I, I don't know. Like, I myself, even being a trucker, because of what I've seen out there over the years, and 
what's been said directly um, from the opposite sex. Um, yeah, uh, I would have a hard time trusting a guy, honestly. I yeah, I would too. Um, just it, it's it's not that um, not that all men do that, and not all men are like that. But it's just I've seen too much. Mm-hmm. That, and it's human nature too. You know. So yeah, it, I, it's I, just, I know I can do it. Yeah, I, I think that in the U.S., I think uh, culturally speaking, that you know, generally trucking as a male-dominated industry that is seen as you know this uh, blue-collar um, a job, dirty work, yeah. requires a lot of physical um, you know work. That um, in American culture, you know, we would give that to the men. You know, yeah, and well, it's not, the thing is. Unless you're doing flatbed or overdimensional, it's not heavy work. Back mm-hmm. when I started, we used to have to, <laughs> they don't allow us to do this anymore, <laughs> but um, when we take a load of beef down into the U.S., the boxes of beef are anywhere from 60 to 120 pounds, and you've got 44,000 pounds just on the floor, no pallets. Okay, and this is, like I said, this is mid- mid-90s when I'm, talking about this and we used to have to go down and unload by hand this whole trailer onto pallets and yeah that's it mm-hmm. it was hard heavy work um i i can't even tell you how many times i just wanted to cry not even yeah. halfway through the trailer and i was i was hurting badly hurting and i mean i can throw a tarp you know i can tie down a load no problem i'll take that work over having to do manual labor unloading a trailer any day of the week. Because I know yeah, yeah. that is done and you know, usually you can get some help when you when you take your tarp off, get some help folding it. If not, you do a little bit of walking back and forth and you got it done. Um, back when I started it was nothing for me to grab one of the old heavy, heavy lumber tarps that weighed close to, you know, a hundred and 20, 130 pounds, and just grab it and throw it up on my deck and tie it down, and away I go. Um, as I got older and my back, you know, from my, my car accident, my back was getting progressively worse, and, of course, with all the surgeries, I can no longer do that. So it was like work smarter, not harder. And, you know, getting getting a shipper or receiver to throw the tarps back up for me, not a problem. Put them on the on the forklift. They take put it up and away you go. So you know a lot of it too is don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Thank you. Yeah, I was gonna say that too. Yeah, exactly. No, see, <laughs> I'm a city girl. You know, pink is a city girl, and it, for me, it would intimidate me uh, to drive. Um, a big truck. Now, see, I'm part of that statistics of women that is that, that are not yeah. uh, a truck driver. I'm one of those that gets intimidated. I get intimidated by a little car. My little my car is a, 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 a um, you know a, a Mini Cooper, yeah. and I get intimidated when I get in it. Um, yeah. But much less much less getting into a truck. <laughs> well, you know, if everyone lose that intimidation. Mm-hmm. Go take a driving course for one of these trucks. Yeah, 
Challenge oh. yourself. Challenge yourself. Yeah, you definitely. Challenge even, yourself. If, even, if, even if it's not for like a semi, but even for a school bus size vehicle, right? Challenge yourself. Take a course, you know, get some experience. Exactly. Because any, any. I know yeah, that my driving, my confidence in my driving changed as a result. Well, not just in my driving, but in myself changed when I got my class one. When I went, yeah. through, I went through all that, and every year my confidence has built. Now I never take anything for granted. Doesn't matter what kind of vehicle I'm driving, but I've I've learned a lot. You know. No, that's a that's that's great. I think you you know any any female any women that's listening to our podcast right now, take a listen. You know, uh, Janet's uh, sharing her experience as a, a a trucker is, you know, I'm sure uh, women drivers um, in the industry had gone through mental um, adjustment, if you will, and also physical too, because you know you, oh, yeah. you go training to understand the concept of it, and also really training your body and your mentally mentally. Um, to do this job, and so yeah. it, it just goes to say that it goes to say that you know the trucking industry, although it is a male-dominated industry, but it can also be done by women, and and we see the numbers, although it may be low, but women do it too, and yeah. so like you said to me, take a take a challenge, um, but but it is it is uh it is a huge step for women to get into this industry. And um, if there were any industry that we dominate as women, I'm sure men who want to get in that industry would have to go through that too. Um, but trucking industry is a unique, a very significant um, industry. You know, during COVID, trucking industry did not stop. No, it, it slowed down in some aspects and then other ones it, it didn't. Um, I know we initially had a, a shutdown. Like I can remember when when it hit and they shut everything down. Um, I sat for six days in one location, and they were barely letting us go in to use the washroom or to buy water at that wow. time. Um, you know, and and usually carrying food in the truck only usually had enough for a week or two at most. Yeah. Right. Right. So right. it it became it did become difficult, and I do know a lot a lot went home. Um, mm-hmm. Then of course food and and dry goods and that were number one priority, um, and most of the deck work slowed down to almost nothing because it wasn't considered essential. So a lot of the companies that were hauling flatbeds went and rented reefers and dry vans. And kind of, you know, yeah. figured they'd get into the into the niche at least briefly, just so that you know they could keep their companies going. Yeah, that's very true. Um, that's a very interesting story, Janet. Um, and again, it is it is an inspiring uh, number uh, to to share on this episode about this uh, gender divide as far as. Um, you know, uh, uh, the trucking industry. So with that being said, let's wrap it up. And before we get into another trucking idea, uh, topic, rather, uh, we're going to listen to a song by Brent Denner.
speeding and failure to yield the right of way. However, other factors can contribute to these accidents as well, including poor weather conditions and equipment malfunctions. When it comes to distracted driving, it's particularly a significant problem among truck drivers as they often spend long hours on the road and may become bored or restless behind the wheel. Fatigue is another common cause of truck accidents in Virginia. Truck drivers are often under pressure to meet tight deadlines and may push themselves to stay on the road longer than they should. This can lead to drowsiness and decrease in reaction time, both of which can contribute to accidents. Speeding can be particularly dangerous for large trucks, which require a longer stopping distance than passenger vehicles. Failure to lead the right-of-way can also be a problem for, for tractor-trailers as trucks are often slower to accelerate and may not be able to avoid a collision if another vehicle cuts them off. Equipment malfunctions can also contribute to truck accidents. This can include problems with the brakes, steering, or tires, all of which can cause a driver to lose control of their vehicle. What types of injuries result from Richmond truck accidents? The severity of injuries can vary depending on the circumstances of the accident. For example, if a truck collides with a passenger vehicle at high speed, the resulting injuries are likely to be severe. Injuries can include traumatic brain injuries, a.k.a. TBI. TBIs are among the most serious injuries that can result from a truck accident. They occur when the brain is damaged to a blow or jolt to the head, or when an object penetrates the skull. Symptoms can range from mild to severe and may include headaches, dizziness, confusion, memory loss, seizures, or coma. Spinal cord injuries can result from impact of a truck accident, can cause permanent paralysis or disability. Symptoms may include loss of sensation or movement below the site of the injury, difficulty breathing, and loss of bladder or bowel control. Burn injuries. If a truck catches fire or explodes during an accident, occupants of a truck or nearby vehicles may suffer serious burns. Burns can cause extensive scarring, disfigurement, and nerve damage. Fractures. Fractures or broken bones are common injuries in truck accidents especially in the arms, legs, and ribs. They can be very painful and may often require surgery to repair. Internal injuries. Internal injuries can occur when, when the impact of a truck accident causes damaged organs such as the liver, spleen, or kidneys. Symptoms may include pain, swelling, and internal bleeding. These injuries can be life-threatening. Traumatic amputations. In some cases, a truck accident may result in the loss of a limb, either due to a traumatic injury or the need for surgical amputations. Amputations can be life-changing and may require extensive rehabilitation and therapy. It is important to note that these injuries can have significant physical, emotional, and financial consequences for those affected and may require ongoing medical care and rehabilitation. Victims of truck accidents may be entitled to compensation for their injuries, but navigating the legal process can be complex. 
it is important to consult with an experienced um, personal injury attorney um, to understand your rights and options. So with that being said, though, um, from your experience, Janet and Will, you know, these accidents happen everywhere. And yeah. so what sort of coverage or protection that you all have when these happen, when it is a driver error? I don't know because I've never actually had a fault accident. So, um, but I mean, I've seen the carnage. And the thing is, I'd like to know how many of those accidents are actually uh, as a result of the driver error, you know? When it's the, yeah. when, when it comes to court, um, usually the drivers are um, are always looked at as being at fault, and that's because of the stigma that, that that comes with being yeah. a truck driver, right? Yeah, that's why so yeah. many so many now almost almost all trucks now have uh, dash cams, um, <clears throat> and a lot of them have, which I know the drivers don't like. They have rear facing cameras. Now, those cameras are technically only supposed to be accessible during the last 30 seconds or so or 20 seconds prior to an accident. Um, <clears throat> although I have heard that, you know, people have gone in and are able to look. And I I know our system, the one that we have, we don't have that kind of access because uh, I with what I do, I kind of have access to some of this stuff. And I do know, like, I can go in and I can look at the forward-facing camera at any time, but I can't access the in-cab one. The only time those uh, videos are accessed are in the events the next. So, but I'm sure there's, yeah. like, I know there's been fight, uh, a couple of court cases regarding the, the rear-facing cameras, and I know some of them have won. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's a privacy issue, right? Right. Uh, the other question that I have, though, uh, and again, I'm not in the industry, but it, there, there, are there any union in Canada for truck drivers? And, and yeah. were there any, were there any cases where the union uh, or the truck drivers have done any boycott or anything like that? Um, when it comes to law that affects, uh, uh, Truck drivers? Uh, well, no, we do have um, we do have a union, um, but not everybody is in the right. It's not you have to be in the union to be a driver, um, but we do have a union. Uh, you know, it just yeah, I don't know. Uh, as far as the union goes, I don't know what. I'm not a big union person myself. I think for the most part, most of the unions are obsolete. They were brought in all back, you know, back when. It was extremely important for people to get paid at least a living wage, right? So that's when the union started, way, way, way back. Like we're talking 1930s, 30s, that era there, um, so that people would get paid a fair rate of pay in order to be able to live. Um, nowadays, the unions, the only ones really making money are the union reps and the union itself, not so much the workers. Right. Yeah, I mean they still get paid a higher rate than somebody non-union, but I don't know if it's actually that much better. Like, um, there's such a big gap between what the average driver makes and what a union driver makes 
that mm-hmm. I don't know. And then if you if they end up going on strike, um, then they're only getting like I know most of the unions here in Canada, um, they get paid like fifty dollars a day to walk the picket lines. <laughs> if they don't walk the picket lines, they don't get the money. They don't get oh. the strike pay. So they have to be on the picket lines for X number, X number of hours or whatever. And, and um, you, 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 it's important to add that even when they join the picket line, they're only paid fifty dollars a day. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Wow. They're cut off. Yeah. They, 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 there's no overtime. Doesn't matter how long you're out there for. It's fifty dollars. No unemployment insurance. Nothing. No. So I mean. Wow. And I mean, most contracts run anywhere from one to three years. Some are lucky enough to have a five-year contract. So once that contract runs out, that's when the no or just before, usually what six months before, I think they start negotiating the new contract. So once the contract runs out, if they haven't met uh, with an agreement, then they go on strike, right? So yeah. and the workers have no choice. You have to go on strike. So, and it just, I, I, like I said, I'm not a big union person. I never have been. Um, okay. It's great to get paid the good money, but as soon as something like that happens, then you're out of luck. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. I have one more question before we get into our pylon, but when, when they, an accident is caused by a driver, um, but let's say, you know, from one to ten, ten like you know, catching the whole town on fire. Yeah. But like, if your accident or your error could be in the range of say number four, or number five, do you get fired immediately, or do you, uh, uh, let's say, no, no people injured or died or anything like that? Uh, do you get fired immediately, or what kind of process do you go through if you're if you're at fault? I guess it, a lot depends on, first of all, whether you're injured. Because regardless ah. of whether it was your, your fault or not, if you're injured, um, it's harder for the company to say, well, see, it wouldn't want to be you. Um, but if you're not injured, um, then, yeah, it, it is more likely, especially in a driver a driver at fault. Um, the only thing that normally causes a crash like that where the driver is at fault is either mechanical failure that they failed check because one, they likely never did their pre-trip or post-trip correctly, if at all. Um, or you've got um, cell phone. Um, once the cell phones were more accessible and affordable, and everybody has one, had one, um, everybody's on their phone even when they're driving, and that's an, you know distracted driving. Um, right. Distracted driving. If you're caught on your phone um, while you're driving, you can be let go for that. Most companies oh. will put in that policy when they hire you on. Um, yeah. Back when I started, that wasn't an issue. We still use payphone. We had to find the nearest payphone. Payphone. Oh yeah, payphone and <laughs> uh, calling card from the the phone service you had at home because you still had a home phone. You know. So yeah, I mean. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, oh, you know, it just goes to say that, you know, this, the trucking industry is essential, it's significant, it's rewarding, it's beneficial to many people, but it's also risky, um, you know, 
uh, to your mental health and also physical and also into the public too. Uh, but, you know, uh, safety, 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 training, uh, discipline, all of that is very, very important. So uh, with that being said, I appreciate the appreciate the conversation on this. Um, I may look into more into um, uh, these type of topics for our next uh, next week uh, or for the next episode. But um, before we get into pile on, let's listen to another song by Fifth.
week, I hear Will has a pylon. Will? Yeah, um, I had a very, I mean, I, I got a couple <laughs> pylons here. I got a black pylon, a very, very black pylon. Shout out to uh, the Sheldon Schumer down here in Calgary. Um, all your nurses are shit. I can't repeat that enough. All your nurses are shit. They don't care about anybody. It's a very dark black pylon to them. But I got um some really good red pylons. I mean, I I I know um seeing family members' names on on here is not a is not really a thing. We saw. I'm just gonna say this. I'm gonna I'm gonna give uh, two red pylon shoutouts to uh, uh, my pregnant girlfriend who you know uh, pretty much uh, helped to save my life, and uh, to a, a very dear family member who also you know contributed to saving my life. So I'm uh, yeah uh, the, the 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 as you can tell I'm out of breath. I I don't really feel good right now at all. And um, okay. I needed uh I needed uh, a little help and and you know uh it it it, it it's nice when when people are nice. I just uh I, I just you know I wish things would have gone smoother. But yeah. I will add on my red pylon also to to that. Uh, I will double red pylon on that will. I hope you uh you continue to feel better. Um that is our show tonight, but before we close, I want to give a shout out to Fist. Check them out at www.rockpapermerch.com. If you have any questions, comments, or any topics that you'd like us to talk about on this podcast, please reach out to us at roadcrew2022 at gmail.com. Before we close, we also want to let you know that we are coming up with our app coming soon. Our Will, uh, Will, our producer, is working on that, so we'll be announcing that when it's available. If you want to follow us on IG, Twitter, or Facebook, make sure you search for Highway, Highway Freaks um, on those platforms and follow us. That is our show tonight. On behalf of the road crew, this is Pink signing off for the week. We wish you a happy weekend. Silhouette caught my eye So I tried to make you smile Yeah, yeah A double-tongue philosophy A toe-to-toe and cheek-to-cheek A dancing in and out of style Black stiletto heels on high Cocktails and gasoline I'll keep your motor running If you want Rhythm, country, and blues A buckle belt and dancing boots Yeah, you're on a fascinating side A grand finale style The show's an ace
with Bry Guy, your host from the Highway Freaks podcast. And this is my stage. I ask the hard-hitting questions, highlighting rock bands from the 80s and sharing a laugh or two. How about celebrities or recent people in the news? Maybe even my trucker brothers and sisters with their stories or unique pets. Animal lovers, charities, or just that odd person out there making the headlines. Or even something totally off the wall. So let's set your sights now to another eye-opener guest. Some of those movie titles are really great. Uh-huh. 
You know what I mean? And that's not theft uh, because you can't you can't uh, copyright a title. It's not possible. You, the English language would just simply run out of words. Right. And in fact, you listen to people like Burton Cummings and the Guess Who, that they kind of influenced you in, in, a, in a large way, such as, you know, the boogie-woogie piano that they, you know, Burton always, um, and, uh, you know, that, that, that's, a, that's been a huge influence for you, right? Oh, yeah, Burton Cummings and the Guess Who, they're, they're great. They're just a great band. But, you know, talk, going back to Pat Needle, you know, that was just a song of, uh, you know, I've written around on a few Harleys, never really owned one, but a guy lent me his big one for a day. Right. Cool. So, and then all my buddies are all bikers and stuff. So I wrote Pat Needle about being a biker. Like, I, you know, I'm getting out of town. The heat means trouble for me. RPM, Pat Needle in red, lay down the rubber, wind in my face. So this is a, a lighter song. It's not a political, social statement of any kind, you know. Quick question. Absolute best biker TV series ever. What would you call it? See, see if you're, you're there on the same wavelength as me. Well, I guess the one that I'll, the only one that comes to mind would be like, uh, what was it? Something Choppers. Uh, oh no, no, Sons, Sons of Anarchy, buddy. Oh, I, I actually oh. don't watch a lot of TV. I get about an hour of TV in a day. Oh, okay. I think that is the greatest. Oh, Orange County Choppers. That's what I was trying to. Orange, yeah, with with the son and and and, and uh, the dad. Yeah, uh, yeah. That that was a good reality show. But as far as a good TV series, if you want to watch one and you have not, I high, highly, highly recommend go to Netflix and watch Sons of Anarchy. You will love it. it we have Netflix. Just, I, I I never use. The wife does. Oh, I don't. You gotta. You gotta. You have got. If you do anything before you die, you have to watch Sons of Anarchy. Okay. Great. Make a note of that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So did Elvis Presley's music influence you in any way, or Led Zeppelin? For that matter. Well, I mean, the whole rock and roll thing was everybody was influenced by everybody. The, 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 you know, the Beatles loved Elvis. Elvis loved the Beatles. Zeppelin loved all both bands. Uh, they all loved each other's music, right? Uh -huh. So, uh, you know, you could see how rock and roll back then was like Del Shannon and and. Uh, you know, the Beach Boys, it was like that really plinky, plunky guitar, soft, pop. And then as the music started to change and Hendrix and some bands came along, I think the pop stars, like Del Shannon, they could see music was changing forever. And that Beach Boy, Beach Boy Del Shannon-style music was never going to be popular again, right? Mm -hmm. Because right. society changes and the music goes with that. Like it is now, like guitar rock now is not popular whatsoever, but if you're a black rock band, you're at the top of the charts. Right, so, right. Yeah. And, so, and, and then you liked something that nobody liked back then was Supertramp and the Crime of the Century album. And you said, this thing is going to be a hit. And your friends all kind of thought, oh, come on, what's, what's that, Brent? That stuff is kind of gay, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and look what happened. Right, it became a monster, monster album. You know, "School" is probably one of the best songs they ever did on that album. You know, uh, so in your travels, uh, what singers did you play with? Uh, you know, on on stage that you can recall or that highlight uh, your career. And another question is, did you have any interesting stories? Because I know you had one about Tom Jones. Yeah, they're they're on. 
into the sauce on the airplane first thing in the morning. And, uh, yeah, so I ended up going to the bar at the front of the airplane, and uh, and there they were drinking. It was got to be like 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning, and they're drinking any ice. I don't know how people... Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Ronnie James Dio, a complete gentleman, nice guy, remembering my first name. I'm, we played with him in Oklahoma, and then we played with him in Toronto at the big outdoor CNE Stadium. Probably one of the right. biggest crowds I ever played to. Anyway, so we meet him in Oklahoma, nice guy, and, they, you know, they always tell singers, don't drink anything cold or no cold drinks, no ice, don't drink alcohol. And, you, and Ronnie James Dio is an awesome singer, one of the best ever, in my opinion. There, I, I go, you know, we're, we're, it's before showtime, or we're done our show. I knock on the uh, dressing room door of Dio, and security guy lets me in. I said, I just wanted to meet you and say hello. So there's Ronnie James Dio, takes a solo cup, fills it up with ice, pours a whole bunch of Jack Daniels in there, a bunch, a little bit of Coke, sucks that thing back in a couple of minutes, does the same thing again. Goes, oh, and then the guy, he's halfway through that when the guy comes in and goes, you're on. So I got kicked out because they had to go on, right? But they tell you to, and he, he sing perfect, friggin' perfect, right to the album. The same with the girls in Heart, I think it was in Cincinnati, where uh, the lead singer, Ann, Tugboat Annie, uh, right. she right. was uh, she was waxed out. She was drinking wine and eating pills. And she could hardly stand up. She's on her high heels, and the band's playing, and, you know, they go, ladies and gentlemen, hard. And the band's playing, and then Annie enters the stage after the intro, right? And she's wobbling, and her room manager's got a hold of her arm, and he gives her a little shove, and she walks out on the stage and sings an absolute perfect show, just perfect like the record I, I hate people like that I, I, I could never uh, I could never drink and play I, I just couldn't get it together you either play or you drink but you don't do both or I didn't any most no, of our band no. didn't nobody nobody would get sauced up before we played no exactly and um, you were telling me a tour story when you were in South America I love this do you want to you want to tell the freaks about this is hilarious oh do you mean um the one, the one in South America, you know, when you're talking yeah. about Ricky going, going over the, yeah, going over the the, 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 the cliffs, uh, you know, you're looking down and and where you oh, go. Oh man, they don't have a drinking and driving laws in Trinidad, eh? Right. And and they're right. going, oh, we got helixes in the country and we're gonna show them a good time tonight and we all bail in this bus. Well, the freaking guy's drunk. Anyway, <laughs> this is the bus driver. So yeah, the guy driving us and these are really narrow roads going through the mountains and we're going yep. way too friggin' fast. Oh yeah. And then so we get there alive and we're at a big party at some fancy club there and everything. So they say at the end of the night they kick everybody out, but you can leave with your booze. Right. <laughs> yeah, you leave the building with your booze. Right. So then everybody takes their booze with them and gets in their car and drives home, right? Yeah, of course. That's all normal there. And then, you know, so that afternoon, we're playing the outdoor festival beside the president's mansion. Like, we can see it through the trees, his mansion. And uh, because it's an open-air thing, we do the sound check, and uh, the president phoned somebody and told them to tell us to turn it down because we were bugging them at the presidential palace. We were too loud. So the president told us to turn it down. Wow. 
Yeah, yeah. He wasn't yeah. that loud. Come on. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. He's probably uh, interrupting his golf game or something, you know? Right, right. Probably, more than less. So, but yeah, you were saying that that's such a, I was so far out and you just thought you'd never come back, you know, dump your body and take the guitar. Yeah, I thought they'd just find our, our bodies at the bottom of the 100 foot cliff, right? Right. Yeah. In a van yeah. in a hundred. Absolutely. Um, so Leonard Skinner and Iron Maiden have three guitar players. Now, when you had your band Decibel, you also had the same. Was was there any significance to doing that, or did you just just invent, I want to be different type guy? It was a really confusing thing uh, because we didn't have a bass player. It was it was Ralph Schumelis, Shane Shedler, and myself, and all three of us were guitar players, and nobody wanted to play bass, and we didn't have a bass player. Hmm. So we just took the picture with the with the guys on that cover that was the guys involved with creation of the album, and you know. I generally ended up playing bass on probably almost all the songs. I think I hired a guy to play a couple of these tracks were there, but, you know, bass guitar is the version of playing guitar guitar. You know, there's right. just, there's only root notes. It's not like you're playing, uh, you know, seven chords or, or you're not playing chords on a bass. You're only playing, the, you know, right. and then, of course, you know, to your song flavor, you'd wave from, so you'd play. Guitar players might be playing A, but you can play in F sharp, and is it a, a nice change feel? Mm-hmm. So, you, so you like it? You liked it because it's just giving it a different sound. It's, it's kind of what you're. you're yeah, I, I got a bass sitting here. I bought a bass because sometimes when I can't get the feel for it, I put the guitar away and pick mm-hmm. up the bass and play the song on the bass. That like you're only getting the notes. So, and you can really shape your songwriting that way. And then exactly how many guitars do you own now? But I you used to eight. have like 57 of them. Just take up way too much space, especially. So, so do you use each one of those on your albums or are they just they're collectors? Uh, I, I've got four or five collectors here. That fifth 1952 Gretsch Jet, awesome beauty. 52 mm-hmm. Gibson Les Paul, hollow with an F hole in it. Right. So a normal Les Paul is really heavy, like around eight pounds. My okay. Les Paul that's been chambered and hollowed out with an F hole in it, three pounds. Okay. Yeah, okay. and then, you know, I've got a kind of a older Stratocaster that a guy gave me brand new in the restaurant. We stopped to eat, somebody gave me a brand new U.S. Mir Strat. I was, a, I think it's a 96. Or, it used to be white. It's turned yellow over the years. And then, of course, I got my Kramer guitar from the Wild in the Streets album, the one that went through the glass sheet at the start of the video. Right. And all that right. tempered glass just ate that thing to pieces. Uh, you know, in Hollywood, they use that fake glass so you don't get cut, but they can't yeah. ship fake glass from California to Toronto. So I had to use real tempered glass. So they hired these special effects artists, and they used what was called a bullet head simulator, and they mount these four charges, one in each corner of a four-by-eight sheet of tempered glass. Uh, tempered glass is the glass that breaks like your car window, like millions of little squares instead of long shards, right? Right. So the little, the little, the little squares are less likely to cause a lot of damage as opposed to a big shard of glass. So then we, we just had to time it. And you go, you're going to hear it a loud crack, and they use explosives, and it shoots four sharp pins into all four corners of the glass sheet. We go to three, two, one. Boom, and I would swing through that area with my guitar through the broken glass. So, you know, I got a bunch of really minor, uh, 
little baby cuts and stuff with the glass just fell a foot or two. You know, the back of my neck, across the front tops of my arms, and you don't brush it off. The special effects guys tell you beforehand, we will hose you down with water. Don't try and brush off the shards of glass. Don't brush it, water it off. Okay. So that was a tip, special effects from a couple of Hollywood. Okay. Yeah, but that glass just literally ate the finish right off the off the guitar. And I noticed when it came down, the 4x8 sheet, I noticed it was really heavy. And it just cut right into the finish of that guitar across the top of the neck, cut right in, right to the right to the wood, through the finish, right to the and, and didn't you do a video where you came up from the water? Yeah, that was my idea. Um, yeah, well, what, do you want to tell me about that? Yeah, we got in a big argument with the film company that Capitol Records paid for. We were in a big rock quarry in the middle of Toronto that had been there 100 years. It's got to be 100 feet deep. It's a really big place. And so our manager, it's got to be 2 a.m. It's cold. It's cold out. You see your breath. And they've got trenches dug there so the quarry drains water out of it, right? So... I, and Sipe, our manager, Bill Sipe, he, he's going, we don't have the magic shot. We've had all the strippers with the, we had the X-rated version with all the bare boots, and, and, and all the strippers were gone, and, and he said, but we still don't have the magical shot. Come up with something right now. And I said, well, we're in the middle of a rock quarry in the middle of the night. What do you come up with? And so I said, well, how how be I climb in that puddle of water with my guitar, and I'll just wait till the water goes calm or hold my breath as long as I can, and then I'll just stand up with the guitar. And they can do that in slow motion. So, you know, the film company was saying, pack it up, it's a wrap, let's take, unplug it, let's go home. And our manager going, nope, we have to do this shot Brent wants, right? Big argument. So they stopped unplugging shit. We made that shot. And it's like the only thing that people ever remembered from the video. It wasn't even the it wasn't even the chicks. So it, you no, know, it was extremely effective. Um, you know, and I had this 25th anniversary black and gold Les Paul that Capitol Records bought for me, and that was like a really heavy, cumbersome collector's item. And I was not climbing in that mud pit, watery pit, with that okay, couple of thousand dollar guitar at the time, right? So what did and, you uh, so they went, they ran downtown and they bought me a Les Paul copy for 40 bucks. Okay. And that's what I climbed into the water with. But when we tried to do it, the guitar didn't want to sink. We had to wait for all the air to go out of it so I could get it down. That was something we didn't expect to see. I, I couldn't get the guitar to sink. A floating guitar. That is hilarious. So that's, so. That, that's kind of what happened then. I think we did that two or three shots, and the guy said, yeah, we got it. We got the shot, and I got covered up and out of the cold, cold water. Oh, Jesus. And uh, we went home and got laid. Yeah. <laughs> it, went on, it went on MTV, and, uh, you know, uh, yeah. I, think it, I, I think it was on uh, Much Music, too. Oh, yeah, we were in heavy rotation. Uh, you know, when Capitol Records is up in uh, Los Angeles, like we were supposed to sign with Capitol Records in Toronto, and somehow L.A. got a hold of it, of uh, the wind of that whole thing, and then we ended up signing a worldwide deal in, in Los Angeles. And I got to tell you, like, I was at that round Capitol Records building in L.A. that he on TV and everything, famously. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I don't think there was one person in that whole building that I liked. They, wow. just, they all seem like a bunch of friggin' flakes to me. Like, you mean, like, just kind of executive They were like? just, they, they were just, yes, people. Yes. Uh, I guess that, my guess would have been that half of them had never even listened to our album. They were just doing what they were going to prep, right? right. Pu push the album. 
Right, right, right. Okay. So when we come when we come back, we're going to talk about Gene Simmons of Kiss and your relationship with him. Uh, this song is off the Ashtray Sonatas album as well. It's called Self-Contained. Guitar rock with a hard edge. It's My Wicked Twin, firing up the party on a cold winter night at Maxwell's Music House in Waterloo. Framing the stage are Shane Shedler on guitar and Mike Uzlak on bass. But the heart of the group is guitarist Brent Derner and drummer Brian Derner, who have been playing together... A thousand years, I think. <laughs> well, maybe not that long. Brian, try to be serious yeah, here, okay? Yeah. Uh, Brent and I have been playing together since we started, well... We fought over the, the drum kit when I was eight. We got a $175 drum kit when I was eight years old. Along with bassman Uzalak, the Derners are the veteran members of Helix, the band that put Kitchener on heavy metal radar screens. Brent's going to be playing with them again. Brent played with them longer than I did. I did, I think, about, oh, about four years. Seemed like 20, but it was four. A lot of fun there. And Saga? Saga. I've been with Saga three years. Seems like that was three years. <laughs> Although they have separate careers, this band reunites the identical twins, hence the name. Well, uh, Brent got, got evil on me and I got evil on him and then uh, we worked things out and put this band together. Brent Derner stresses the importance of new, original music for My Wicked Twin. We wanted to write different licks in guitar rock, and I didn't want to play four chord stuff. I wanted to play out of bar, I wanted to play out of measure. And, uh, and we spent a long time on our lyrics trying to be tongue-in-cheek, smart aleck. We're more than just an 80s retro rock band. I, I think that we're a 2008 brand new rock band. We got a bunch of uh, dates coming up. Uh, just check our MySpace. Uh, you can go to wickedtwin.com. That site should be up soon. And all the information's there. My Wicked Twin. Guitar rock to double your pleasure. The twin Google it! <laughs> yeah, baby, yeah. Just, it's easy! Just Google it! You don't need to know an address. All right, so um, if you got some good Gene 
Simmons stories. I want to hear it for sure. Because, uh, uh, you know, I mean, you obviously uh, got along with him and you guys toured a lot with him, didn't you? Yeah, we did 30, 33 shows. Yeah, yeah. So do you, uh, you, you got any particular story that stands out? Um, well, I saw some stuff that people probably don't know about. Okay, all right. So did you see him without their makeup? Well, yeah, like the whole tour that we did there was... It was the, uh, oh, I forget the name of the album. It was where they, uh, it was probably called Unmasked or something. Kiss Unmasked, okay. that album. Okay. Oh, no, it was called Lick It Up, the album. Okay. Lick It Up, Lick It Up. Yeah, that's, oh, that's a great song. So anyway, that was, uh, that was the first time that they'd ever taken their makeup off. So what they did, the idea that Kiss did was this could maybe ruin the band's career. Uh-huh. So they did a test. They did a test in Europe first because they didn't want to lose their American market in case it, it failed. Right. So, and it was a great success because they're Kiss. They're freaking awesome. Awesome live if you've never seen them. Paul Stanley could sing like an angel. Yeah. Paul, yeah. Paul is an amazing singer. Yeah. Yeah. He can sing yeah. really high and clear, that guy. They're all strictly business, no screwing around. They don't drink. They don't do drugs. Um, I noticed in Europe, uh, Europe and heavy metal is a kind of a, a man's sport where you don't see a lot of women at the gigs anywhere where we were kind of feeling a little lonesome, us Helix guys, like where's all the babes, right? Right, right. And then I noticed a couple of times where, you know, there were so few females at the shows that uh, I caught uh, Gene and Paul looked to me like they had a couple of high-class huckers there and the white furs and everything else looked pretty yummy to me. And let me guess, that's their wives, right? It's no. No? Oh. No, they were hookers. They were high-class hookers. Oh. oh, oh, so Shannon Tweed wasn't there? No, I don't think it, this is. This is probably before Shannon, I would guess. Oh, okay. I got This is back when the Dead Sea was still sick, brother. Yeah, so... So what what are what are what's the song about? Uh, call, uh, it's called the white parts of the tan bread. Well, there was this time on the road that this guy came up to me for a joke and said, "Hey, what's the best part of a tan?" I go, "I don't know." He goes, "The white parts." That's where that song title came from. Oh, I took it right out of a joke and twisted it around, and made it a song title. And you know, it, it was hugely popular in New Zealand. Uh, I, I was on the New Zealand radio station there a month or two back. Uh, we got picked because they don't just put anybody on there. If they don't like your music, you don't get on there. And but he said, "Oh, by the way, uh, while you're ta- while we're talking here live at the radio station, we have 5.7 million listeners right now listening to this interview." And I said, "Well, I'll probably end up talking to more people today than Joe Biden d- did."
video was great. I thought it was kind of catchy the way you did it. Uh, subtraction uh, and division isn't one of the better things I do, but yeah. but in my uh, shit, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, uh, shit, I don't really I, want I, I, I know I know this one you don't want to talk about, but I still like it, so I'm gonna I'm still gonna you know put it to you. Dancing frogs. I thought it was a humorous video. Um, what the hell was your inspiration for creating that? I was just trying to be flippant, I suppose. I just wanted I wanted to write a non-metal song, you know, and something that wasn't ripped your face off. It was a, it was a breath of fresh air to escape the Capitol Records uh, marketing machine songwriting yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where they're, they're marketing hair metal bands, and I'm finally free of Capitol Records, and I just had to write something else to get away from cookie cutter songwriting. And it's and it still to this day is on YouTube. And see what I what I kind of compare it to, oddly enough, just the Gigolo, David Lee Roth. Yeah, I had That's my buddy, uh, my buddy who drives a Zamboni was singing that for me. Believe it or not. Yeah. It's, 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 it's almost like comparison to that, only it's a, it's a love suck sick frog that uh, is got the hots for the other frog, from what yeah. I've seen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, see, I, I know my game too. I, was, uh, I wanted yeah. to be that 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 flat picking kind of deal kind of thing, right? Yeah, no, it's it's catchy. Uh, I I thought it was really good. I thought it was really good. You have a great story about uh, when you were on tour about this guy that was drunk and he came up and he asked you a question on a song. Oh yeah, jeez. You have to share that. He never forgot that. So we had to, like I said, we'd have to play a Saturday afternoon matinee in these clubs, right? Not only did you play six nights that week, but you had to play in the afternoon on Saturday. So this guy, because we, you know, Saturday night's coming up, we already sang five nights in a row, so now you got tired voices. But we got to play the biggest night of the week, Saturday night. So we, we tried to avoid singing as much as we could Saturday afternoon. So we'd invite people to beg them to come up to sing anything, and we'll play, and you sing, right? And so the guy says, and we'll take requests, and the guy says, well, can you play uh, Slow Motion Walter? <laughs> and Paul and I look at him and go, Slow Motion Walter? What's that? He goes, you know. Slow motion, Walter, that fire engine guy. And we just, we had to look away, Paul and I, we, we couldn't believe it. This is what the guy thought the lyrics actually were instead of smoke on the water. It was slow motion, Walter, that fire, <laughs> that engine, fire guy. engine guy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paul and I had to go leave the, leave the club and go to our room and laugh at the hallway where the guy couldn't see us laughing at him, eh? Video. Yeah, that oh, video. 
love that song. That song just kicks ass. Yeah, it does. That, it, 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 yeah, it's it's kind of like Motley Crue's uh, one song, you know, where, where you've got the guitars going and, and you've got the sound of the bike. Uh, you know, um, Wild Side. Take a walk on the wild side, right? Same thing. Like that, and I love the video. The video still stands up to this day. It's, yeah, it's great so video. Good. It is. It's really good. So getting into some other things, um, you said Amy Lee of Evanescent. You say she's got an amazing voice. And uh, have you ever met her, one? And number two, would you ever want to collaborate with her on, on something? With Absolutely, I would. I'm collaborating with different people now. I actually am collaborating with a girl named uh, Michelle Ryder in uh, in Halifax right now on some songs. Oh, oh cool. Because like, like, uh, like I'm not just writing a, a Wicked Twin album, uh, album six coming up. Okay. Uh, I'm also have, uh, I'm writing and trying to finish up my pop album, too. And uh-huh. I want that pop album to be sung by a young, handsome, I'm looking for a young, handsome, experienced singer, like 20 years old or younger, who knows how to sing, knows his timing, and I need this guy to sing my whole album, uh, my uh-huh. pop album, and I'll just split the royalties with him 50%. 50-50, that's what he gets out of it, right? However it goes. Right. So I've right. got, I think I need songs for the pop album written there now. And then there's other songs that, like, because I just want to be creative. So I write, I got a little recorder, a handheld thing right here beside me. And I keep here loaded with batteries and, a, and an SD card. And then I get an idea, I sing it. I don't care what the idea is, if it sounds like the Carpenters or Elvis Presley or... You know, it doesn't matter who. I just, I just record and and get keep ideas recorded, even though they might not fit what I'm trying to do, right? So right. the songs and I, so I've got these folders. Probably there's got to be a hundred of stuff that's just sitting for there that are I think good starting ideas. So I just some of them I'm not going to use. Michelle Ryder, a good uh, singer. Uh, I just sent her a couple of my ideas just the other day, and, uh, you know, I, I don't really want to write slow songs, because they make me so sad. <laughs> yeah. so, so that's why there's no slow songs on really any uh, Wicked Twin records except this newest one. Uh, uh, I put uh, my first slow song. There's no good in goodbye, which I thought was another good song title. That's that's that is a great that is a, that's a great title. I like that. Uh, so uh, that was my first slow song, but I don't want to put a bunch of slow songs on my album, really. Yeah. What about so the I sent those rock songs to, to Michelle right. and to a couple other artists to try to co-write. And then, you know, sometimes I've I've sent my songs to, uh, uh, like, I won't say who, but you send these songs out and say, well, you play the solo on this for me. And they go, yeah, sure, I'll do that for you. So they rip off and try and play as many friggin' notes as they can possibly fit in there into this chunk of music. And it doesn't fit at all. It's got, you know, there's no breathing room, there's no space, it's not written to the song, you should, you know, they just, I don't know what they're trying to do, but you, you just don't play as many notes as you can, just because just you can. You, you write your solos to fit the song. So anyway, because of all the songwriting I'm doing, I don't actually sit here and play my guitar, I actually almost never play my guitar, because the ideas come out of my head. I sing them onto my little recorder. Then I learn on the guitar what I sang, uh, and I use my guitar just as a like a hammer and a nail just to get stuff written. And 
that's it. And then I'll hire guitar players to come in and, and play solos for me and stuff. Uh, because I, I got better things to do than try to be a great guitar player. I'd rather be a great songwriter than a great guitar player. And isn't that how, that's interesting how that transition has changed. Cause obviously when, uh, way back when it was probably the other way around and, you know, with maturity comes, you know, different uh, priorities. And, and obviously that's what your priority is now to be, to be a better songwriter than a better yes. guitar player. Cause you I mean, you mastered that, right? I mean, well, yeah. yeah. And, and, yes, and, and, I, you know, I never learned the theory, and I, I told this uh, this uh, the one guy I worked with. He's a uh, he's got all the grades. Uh, he's a top notch pianist, and I work with him, and he's done all the proper schooling and everything. And I said I said to Peter Peacock, you know, I started because I don't know any music theory. That I I said, you know, I started watching this music theory stuff on on YouTube and how to do this and all of this. He said, you know what? You need that like another hole in the head. He said, you're doing better than people that know theory. So uh, I can't tell you the names of the chords. A lot of the, most of the chords, I think there's over 100. I can only tell you the names of them. So, uh, but, you know, when we were with Capitol Records, it was the same thing. Like Capitol Records said, you know, the Beatles didn't know how to read and actually score music. You know what I mean? Not write, not write the music, but score it. So they couldn't read it or score it. And he said, you know, Capitol Records had the Beatles, they had the Rolling Stones, they had everybody, they had David Bowie, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they told us the same thing. None of these guys know how to read or write music. None of them are school. Well, that that was that's just not like today's school artists. I mean, a lot of them are, are more educated than, than yeah, like, a lot of the 70s and 80s guys, but the 70s and 80s guys had, well, they had rhythm, soul, they, they knew how to sing. Um, if they just they had that uh, that it factor. Yeah, and there's the opposite end of the spectrum too, where you know Steely Dan, one of my favorite bands, that's all schooling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or Boston, or Boston. Yeah. That like, poor I guy, mean, that singer guy. Yeah. Too bad he killed himself. Or the lead singer of Boston? Yeah, he killed him. I did not know that. Yeah, he got caught doing something weird, and uh, he killed himself. Wow, and he had a heck of a... He sure did. I watched him play live on YouTube there just last week, and he was hitting all those friggin' notes live. I couldn't believe it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So so getting to the Ashtray Sonatas album, we would obviously be absent-minded if we didn't tell our freaks a little bit about that, because we are playing some of that music. That's a good Um, song, uh, album title, eh? The Ashtray Sonatas? I was going to... That's my next question for you. Uh, After the song's Old Dog, which we're going to play next... uh, how did you get that name? We'll be right back. Take back your love from me, take back your respect Born for the pain, I'm a Nazi forgiveness Crime for my brain, killing gone with my interest Ever try talk to a gun or a spliff yet Me live with my scars, me not to live with regrets My heart burn like CD from me, chest it eject We all make mistakes, but the trust is the biggest Me don't talk to people, me talk with the spirits Yeah, me heart of a hole where the devil still a look through God, you see me daily and me on no good dude Dog war full, them gun your belly and no cook food 
pull back the hammer and push through. Walk through fire with my cold self. Lonely, so I still a try to talk to it, ghost them. Miss my old friends. Running about the finish line, not close yet. Still confused with times and roses. No left with fire stick. Me still a smoke all when me dip on antibiotics. Me have to drink and talk to God, that's how the prayer real. Even the alphabet tricky cause I a J. And them are P-U-S-S-Y to the thing. Talk on the rhythm and no time for me sing. Me sorry if you lay in all life for me thing. Why I just adjust the life for me live on your arm. Float drone shots, park with snake. I fly and I tell the artist, bro. me turn off the bulb, not the darkest days. Me don't know where me I go, but me I walk with fear. Yeah, walk with fear. I've bullet to heart with scream. Walk with fear, ties the allegory and me no call this tear. Lucky through my favor, mommy, I'm a carry gun and full it. Blood thicker down water, none of thicker down my bullet. Most of them not go believe until you do it. One for link, my money stink, I'm in no keep it in a sewage. Can't trust nobody, fuck you, reach me as a juvie. Lock me up, me run my man for try be loyal to a pussy. Humble me, tell the tennis ball, my code no boom me. Two of my brave, sometimes it make me look stupid. Tired and drain when me round them. Smoke till me start to see fire in the cloud them. Lucky now, soundproof place and a shelter. Nobody no blood clot, no them. But mine, no for damn proud friend. No couple dog when not like me for all bands. Start me to deep me. Go tell on low Make more money on low friend From me out of my world Where the devil still a look through God you save me daily and me on no good dude Dog walk full them gun your belly and no cook food Pull back the hammer and push through Walk through fire with my cold self Lonely so me still a try to talk to it ghost them Miss my old friends Running but the finish line no close yet Still confused with tons and roses no left with fire stick Me still a smoke all when me dip on antibiotics Me have to drink and talk to God, that's how the prayer real Even the alphabet tricky cause I a J And them a P-U-S-S-Y to the thing Talk on the rhythm and no time for me sing Me sorry if you lay in all lies for me thing Why I just adjust the life for me live on your arm Float round shots, walk with snake I fly and I tell the artist, bring me turn off the bulb, not the darkest days. Me don't know where me I go, but me I walk with fear. Yeah, walk with fear. I've bullet to a heart with scrap. Walk with fear, ties the allegory and me no call this tears. Alright, so that's this old dog. And uh, oh, look at that. We're out of time for part two of the eye opener. We are going to catch the last part of the Brent Turner interview on the eye-opener uh, on the next podcast. So stay tuned.